0: Welcome to the Journey Into Healing Podcast. I'm Eric Kulin, and I'll be hosting today's show. Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I'm continuing a series called Brilliant Finances. For today's episode, I'm gonna start off by sharing two particular stewardship tests that I have experienced a lot over the years. And then I'm gonna spend the rest of the episode sharing just a bunch of really cool miraculous provision stories in my own life. So the first test that I have seen most commonly with stewardship, and I will say, I don't see these all the time, but as i am staying surrendered to the lord from not being materialistic from the idea that he owns everything and i own nothing this idea that i'm genuinely a steward of god's things i find two tests that have come to me quite commonly and the first one has to do with opportunities to be honest and the second one has to do with opportunities to be generous I would like to start by talking about opportunities to be honest. Many times when I'm praying for some sort of financial miraculous provision, I have seen circumstances where something shows up in my life that I could keep, but it would be morally wrong for me to keep it. So let me give you one circumstance. An example was somewhere, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, One day my wife and I were talking at night and she expresses to me, hey, I'd really like an espresso coffee maker, which I thought was unusual because we don't drink coffee in my house. But apparently my wife was tired enough, she was feeling she needed some pep and wanted to try espresso. So she says this and it's maybe a Monday night or something and I'm thinking, eh, you know, we can talk about it, but do you really need coffee in your life since you've never drank it up to this point? So that's a Monday night or so. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. I figured it was the next day or the day after. I go and I check the mailbox. And sitting in my mailbox is an espresso maker. My wife has not ordered an espresso maker, but one just happened to show up in my mailbox literally a day or two after my wife was expressing a desire for one. I was somewhat stumped. I was sitting here thinking, hey, did the lord hear me and just throw this thing in my mailbox how did it get here it would have been really easy for me to declare this a blessing of the lord to my family but i stopped and i prayed and i listened to the lord and i got an insight into what i believed had happened i had recently ordered some gardening supplies from amazon that had not shown up and something prompted me to go check on amazon and i forget exactly all the details of how i found it but i figured out what had happened was it was the address of the sender for the gardening supplies was the same as the address of the sender for the coffee maker they had misshipped the espresso maker to me by accident and yet they would have had to have sent that before my wife mentioned wanting the coffee maker now, I will say as a lawyer, one thing I happen to know is if somebody sends me something I did not pay for, usually I get to keep it for free and they can't try to charge me because the mistake was on their end, not on mine. And, and that comes because back in the day, there used to be this law of people that would just send you stuff to your mailbox and then send you a bill for it, or you had to take the time and money to send the stuff back. And so somewhere the federal law did away with that and said, no, no, no. If you're gonna send somebody this product, it's a gift. Now, I don't know if that perfectly matched my circumstance, but I will say part of me, the lawyer part, wanted to rise up and say, hey, I have the opportunity to rightfully keep this as a free gift and they can't charge me. Praise the Lord for my free espresso maker. I could have done that. Yet in this circumstance, if I had kept the espresso maker, here's the problem. That was an order that belonged to somebody else. So the the somebody else would not have gotten their espresso maker or the shipper would now have to go pay out of their pocket and have a financial burden to pick up the cost of a second espresso maker to fulfill that order. So had I have declared this to be a blessing of the Lord instead of a test, I would have actually been causing two people a potential undue burden financially. And I would have been doing this simply based on some sort of, you know, legal feeling that I was justified. But it's one thing to be justified based on law. It's something else to be justified based on the righteousness of Christ and what he is doing in my life. So for this particular circumstance, we contacted the seller and we arranged to ship this thing back. And, you know, it took a little while longer until I got my gardening supplies, but that was no big deal. I shipped back the coffee maker. Eventually, the gardening supplies showed up. Everything was fine. Another example of this kind of test came actually very recently. Matter of fact, within the last week. So somewhere back in March, I had ordered some materials from a particular ministry. And within the order was both some digital downloads as well as some physical DVDs and books that were going to be shipped. And that was back in March. Well, I received the DVDs and books back in March. But somehow this last week, I got an email from the ministry saying, hey, here's a confirmation receipt for your order. And I'm thinking, wow, three months to get the the email confirmation seems like a really long time. You know, a lot of these websites have it automated and they just send you the confirmation right away. Well, a few days later in my mailbox arrives a second set of the DVDs and books. I've only paid for them one time, but now I've got two sets. And it could be easy for me to step back and say, oh, look, God is blessing me. I got a double portion of what I ordered. Yet that was not the case. There was some sort of mistake made on that ministry's end, and I'm not sure what it was, maybe a software error or something going on. I think what had happened is whoever did the order originally forgot to mark it as complete, and so maybe they were reviewing it later on and said, oh, we never completed the shipping part of this order because most of it was digital downloads. So it's possible they just would not have caught that within the email if they weren't looking carefully enough. Nevertheless, I realized this was a mistake, so I actually prayed about it. I talked to my family, I said, hey, let's pray about this first before we call the ministry, and let's ask the Lord, what should we do about this? And the Lord put on my heart something in particular to do. It wasn't keep the stuff wrongfully. What I was praying about is whether I should just go ahead and make a donation to the ministry to cover the cost of the second set of material. That way I could just donate it to somebody else in my circle or whether I should ship the stuff back and only have the one set. The Lord gave me an answer and put on my heart what to do in this scenario, and I obeyed. I called the ministry, I spoke to them, I made everything right according to what the Lord had put on my heart. So these are just two examples of tests that I have commonly seen come to me when I'm praying for some sort of miraculous provision. Now, I don't see these tests all the time, most commonly i have seen these things show up just as i'm on the journey of stewardship and for some reason they seem to really happen whenever i'm praying for larger financial miracles or larger provision miracles but that may not be the case in your life but i do want you to be aware of these because if there's a scenario that shows up where you can say hey this looks like it could be a blessing to me but is it in fact a blessing Or is it some sort of test where you have the ability to wrongfully take something that's not yours? That's not good stewardship to take things that aren't yours. Even if you've got a lawyer spirit saying, wait, but according to the law, I could take this. Yeah, but according to the spirit of God, it may not be right to do. Talking about the other test of stewardship that I often encounter, this is the opportunity to be generous. And I'm gonna share some different examples here. I'm actually gonna start with a story of a time that I failed this test. I don't do this perfect. And so that's just an encouragement to you as we're on this journey of walking with the Lord, perfection is not what God requires of us. Just listening to his voice, following him and trusting him is what he really requires of us. So this particular day, I was a real estate agent and I was doing an open house. For those who may not be familiar with real estate, uh, basically this is a day where I was helping one of my friends sell his house and I was there on a Saturday while the family was gone. I'm there from, I don't remember, I think it was like 9 or 10 a.m. until about 5 p.m. And it's just an opportunity for a bunch of people who might be interested in the house to come by and check it out. This particular day was somewhere I think in the earlier part of 2020, when there was a shortage on water and people could not find water in the store, it had just evaporated from the stores. Well, I had somebody come in to my uh, open house that day and they had asked me if I had a bottle of water. And now normally, you know, I'd go and buy a case of water and have it there, but considering there was no water to go by at that moment, I had a couple of bottles of water that I had brought in for myself and I had basically tucked them away and hid them in a cabinet. Now, for those who don't know me, I drink a lot of water. I'm re- I don't know, I just have a constant thirst for water and I really like water. And I probably drink more water than most people you know. I have no issues with being hydrated because I probably drink half a gallon to a gallon or more of water every day. Well, after that lady had asked me, I knew that I had two bottles of water tucked away and I didn't want to give one up because where were you going to go get more water from? There's a water shortage, basically. And I figured I was going to go through at least the two bottles between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Normally, I'll go through two bottles of water within a couple of hours. So I told the lady, no. And I felt wrong about that. I felt I was supposed to be generous in that situation, but instead I was selfish and stingy in that particular circumstance. I just told her, no, sorry, shortage of water, wasn't able to find a case, blah, blah, blah. Well, the lady leaves. I feel kind of convicted. I had to run to my truck at some point and I go and open up my truck and there's like three more bottles of water that I forgot that I had sitting inside of my truck. So, I realized I could have been generous with something as small as a bottle of water, and the Lord had already had me backed up. Now, in my mind, when I said no to her, it's because I did not think that I had any more water. I didn't know that I had more water in the truck at that time. So, here I could have easily given away a bottle, easily had more. The Lord would have provided as soon as I went to my truck, which was almost immediately after she left the house. So that was one time that I failed the test of being generous. I'm going to share some other stories. Most of the times that I have had opportunities to be generous, I have been successfully generous and obeyed what the Lord prompted me to do. But I shared that one water bottle story with you just to show an example of perfection is not required to walk as a steward with the Lord. However, in that circumstance, had I have been obedient, I would have found more provision just beyond that one person asking. I could have given easily, and I would have received more water within 10 minutes of that encounter. So one morning I was sitting down reading my Bible, and the Lord began to talk to me about giving away one of my guns. Now, for those who don't know, part of my background, I also used to be a firearms instructor, I taught the uh, self-defense class, the, the firearms carry class for the state of Texas, a lot of that kind of thing. If you're listening from a, another country that's not as big on guns, that might be kind of weird to you, but I'm in Texas. <laughs> so here I am reading my Bible and the Lord interrupts my Bible reading to start talking to me and he tells me, hey, prepare to give away one of your guns. And I'm thinking, "What? Well, okay, all right, Lord, whatever you say. So he's already preparing me in my heart to give one away. And he put in mind a particular gun. Well, less than an hour later, I'm still sitting here reading my Bible. It might only been 45 minutes later. It was less than an hour. A buddy of mine texts me and he says, Hey, do you know anybody that has this particular kind of gun for sale? Lo and behold, it just happened to be the kind the Lord had put on my heart. And I said, yes, I actually happen to have one of those. So I went down to my gun safe, because at this point in time, I had quit my job as a firearms instructor. I was no longer doing that. And I was trying to sell out some of the guns that I just didn't really need and didn't really use anymore. Well, that particular gun, I actually was originally intending to keep. And I had my my gun safe split into two sections, guns that I'm keeping, Guns that I'm getting rid of. Well, I go downstairs and look in my safe and this gun that I'm keeping or was planning to keep that the Lord told me get ready to give away was not in the keep section, it was in the giveaway section. I never put it in the giveaway section myself. But I realized what happened was the week prior, I had come home from the gun range doing firearms training or whatever and my wife helped unload the vehicle. She took the guns and ran inside and put them in the gun safe. And she did not know that I had the safe split into giveaway and not giveaway. So here my wife had put the gun in the giveaway section. Now backtracking slightly before I opened the safe, I'd asked the Lord, hey, give me a sign just so that I know that I'm hearing from you that I'm supposed to bless this guy with this particular gun. And sure enough, I opened the safe and here's the gun in the giveaway section. So I ended up blessing the guy with the gun. You know, he went through all the legal means and everything and he had his license to carry. He had actually been one of my students some years prior when I was still teaching the firearm safety class. Another time that I've had the Lord prompt me to give something away and be generous, I believe it was a Sunday night and I heard the Lord pretty strongly tell me, go upstairs and take a look at my drone. I had one of these really cool Mavic DJI, whatever, drones. It was a pretty cool drone. I used to fly it around a bunch. I've taken it to Hawaii before. Almost lost it in a major windstorm in Hawaii, right over the ocean. Um, you know, I've flown it around the neighborhoods, whatever. I hadn't played with the thing in quite some time at this point. It had been sitting in a closet for almost a year. And the Lord just promised me, go upstairs, take a look, make sure you still got it all you know, just to see that everything's there. So I did. I go upstairs. I look. I've got eyes on target. I know it's there. And I'm like, all right, cool, Jesus. Whatever you say, I've looked at it and confirmed it's still there for whatever reason. And I know in my heart, I'm being prepared to give away a drone. The next morning, I am going golfing with my dad in this, some sort of charity golf tournament that we had been invited to and we were going with a friend of my dad's who I did not know, I knew of him, but we had no relationship. I didn't know what the guy did for a living. I knew none of that. Well, we go golfing and on the very first hole, he starts talking to my dad about how what he does is he's in the roofing business. And he had been on a roof and fallen through the roof and injured himself. And he actually happened to be in the market for a drone. And that was easy for me because the Lord had prepared my heart the night before to give away a drone. So I spoke to him and said, hey, I'm pretty sure the Lord wants me to give you my drone. He just talked to me about this last night. And so, you know, we met up some point within the next week or so after the golf game. The guy came by my house and I blessed him with the drone. I'm going to share more stories as I go throughout some of the really cool supernatural provision. You'll get to hear some more stories about the parts where I've given and where I've received things. But I don't, I don't say any of that for some sort of ego. Hey, look at me. I'm generous. Nothing like that. I want you to get into your mindset that stewardship is not simply a set of actions. It's an ongoing relationship of being led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will prepare your heart sometimes, but it's really about hearing the voice of the Lord and responding. Remember, that's the shift I'm trying to encourage and help reach people with, is not, hey, here's a set of rule I must compulsively give 10% of money to some place. But rather, the rule is, I must yield my compuls- compulsive rules and begin to hear the Spirit of God in all things and let Him guide me. And you heard with both the drone and the gun example, those were examples of the Lord putting on my heart and having me prepared to give something before the opportunity even showed up. All right, let's move on to some of the cool supernatural stories. So the way that this began in my life was somewhere in the early 2000s, I was in the Marine Corps stationed in San Diego and I'm in this four square church and the Lord tells me, quit tithing. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, hold on, am I really hearing, is this Jesus? Like, Jesus, don't you know what what all the pastors have told me all these years? You know, I was under the impression that the Bible taught I was supposed to tithe. I just didn't know what the Bible said because I'd only listened to a bunch of men instead of really tear apart the Bible to see what it actually taught. But here I am thinking, okay, Jesus, I've got this opportunity now. I can either rebuke the voice that I know very well to be the voice of God, because he's been talking to me for years at this point, And I can embrace a brand new adventure with the Lord of learning something that I have no idea what I'm about to learn. Or I could reject the word of the Lord in place of the rules that I had been taught by church and just obey the rules. I opted for the adventure with God. And I have no regrets about that. So shortly after this, I've quit tithing. I don't really understand why other than God told me to quit. And at some point, he's going to teach me. And over the course of the next year, I begin to learn about miraculous provision. The very first time, I almost experienced miraculous provision. So this is where I was just taking baby steps, kind of dipping my toes in the water And deciding, all right, Jesus, let's see if this is for real. I prayed for lunch this day. It's all I prayed for. And I'll tell you the whole story. So I was living at a missionary housing of a particular church in San Diego. And at this point in time, I just got out of the military. I was very, very poor. I did not have much income. I, I worked at the church and the church let me live in their missionary housing and they charged me 100% of everything they paid me to live in their missionary house. So during this time, I was having to find overnight jobs. I was working till one or two in the morning, uh, you know, weekend jobs, everything I could just to try to find money to be able to scrape by and still feed myself. Well, one day, one of the guys from the church calls me up, just a guy that goes to the church. He calls it me. And one of my buddies, who's also living in this missionary housing at the time, and the guy says, hey, I've got this carpet cleaning job. I could use some extra hands. It's a really big house. Would y'all like to come? I'll pay you you know, X number of dollars each if you'll come and help out. And I'm thinking, yeah, hey, I could really use the extra money at this point. So we go and we meet the guy at the church parking lot. And we hop in his car, which is a little T-top. Trans Am or Camaro, something like that. It's a little T-top vehicle and it is cluttered, full of stuff. My buddy's in the back seat and he's like squeezing between stuff and I'm pretty sure he was able to get his seatbelt on. I had no room. I'm like literally sitting on top of a carpet cleaner or something. I can't even get my seatbelt on and I'm just kind of barely hanging on the front passenger seat thinking this is not a very safe place to be. And then the dude takes off and come to find out he uh, he drives excessive speed perhaps, which I guess I'd gotten used to at this point being in California. But uh, having this guy drive at an excessive speed while I'm kind of barely hanging on between a seat and a carpet cleaner and no room to even buckle up did not put me in a comfortable spot. So I'm sitting here in my mind thinking, Lord, w- was this a smart idea? Well, I start focusing on what I had just been learning from the Lord about asking and receiving, praying and asking the Lord to provide, asking Him for food. The scripture where Jesus says, "You know, give me this day my daily bread when He's teaching us how to pray. So I asked the Lord within me and I said, Lord, today I would really like to have a meatball sub for lunch. Would you bring me a meatball sub sandwich? So we show up to the house, we do the carpet cleaning. At the end, the guy in charge comes and gets me and the other guy says, hey, they're gonna feed us lunch. Come on down to the kitchen. So for me, this is the moment of truth. I prayed for meatball sub, I'm walking into the kitchen for whatever lunch is being provided for me, I don't know. And there is a fragrant aroma of something I recognize very dearly at this point in my life, coming from the stove. And it is the smell of meatballs. But I get set down and in front of me on my plate is a ham and cheese or turkey and cheese sandwich. So I'm looking over at the stove and there's the meatballs sitting inside of a pot there are the little, uh, you know, the the buns, whatever you call them, the hoagie buns or the little sub sandwich buns, right next to that, and I'm looking at my plate, and on my plate is it like a turkey and cheese lunch sandwich, and I'm thinking, wait a second, Jesus, is this a practical joke? The thing I prayed for, I can literally smell. I'm looking at, and it's but six steps from me, and yet here I am, sitting down at the chair. And I got a turkey and cheese lunch sandwich. And I'm not like against turkey and cheese lunch sandwiches. But I just find this unusual that the very thing I prayed for, I am literally looking at and able to smell. And yet it is not what has been served to me. Now, it's possible I could have just asked, hey, can I, do you have some extra meatball subs? Do you mind if I have one? But at this point in my life, I was maybe a bit too shy to ask for something like that. Plus, I had asked the Lord for it. So I was thinking, hey, Jesus, if I ask you for this, you know, aren't you gonna bring it all the way to my plate and put it in front of me? Am I really supposed to step out and do something? So I don't know. I sat there and I ate my turkey and cheese sandwich thinking, is this some sort of Jesus practical joke? Like, I didn't know what was going on other than the thing I prayed for was right there. And I'm just gonna point out, I don't know how many people's houses you have been to for lunch, but it is a rare day that meatball subs are what are being served. At least in my life experience, meatball subs are not a common thing on the menu. So I just ate my turkey and cheese sandwich in absolute awe that day that the thing I had prayed for had literally come into the very house I was at And was literally in the very environment that i was eating lunch and there weren't other things being cooked it was just meatball subs and then my turkey and cheese sandwich so that was my first story of stepping out and believing god for miraculous provision i knew i was on to something even though i didn't understand it but I knew the Lord had at least invited me onto a journey of stewardship and that I was gonna keep growing in that. I wanna share my next story with you. This story I call a beggar and some tacos. This particular day, I was in San Diego. I was still working at that church, still very, very, very poor. And I was down at the gas station, filling up some gas in my Honda Civic at that time. And I wasn't putting a lot of gas in it because I think I had like $32 to my name. I was putting $12 in gas. And then this was, I think, a Monday or a Tuesday. And from there, I had a $20 bill in my wallet. And I was on a very special diet this week. I don't know if you've ever heard of the $20 till Friday diet, but it's where you've only got $20 to your name and you got to wait till you get paid again on Friday to have more money. So that was the $20 till Friday diet. I had almost no food inside of the house at the missionary house at the church. Actually, I don't think I had anything in there. Nothing that I ate, nothing that we even knew how to cook. And I think there might have been like a bag of beans in the pantry somewhere, maybe. So it was pretty empty, pretty barren. While I'm sitting here at the gas station pumping gas, this gas station attendant shoves this guy out of the door. Literally shoves him out and he's just yelling at him, quit begging. Quit begging here. You don't come back here anymore asking for food. Get out of here. Quit asking people for money. And I'm thinking like, wow, that is, that's kind of rude. You know, my opinion, like, dude, if this guy's poor or hungry, why are you going to be yelling at home for begging? But that's what was going on. This particular beggar was skinny. He was scrawny. This is a guy that did not look like he got to eat regularly. So I felt prompted. I knew what I had to do. I waved the guy down. And I will say, I lived in an Asian neighborhood. So a lot of the people did not speak good English here. I don't think the guy spoke English. I waved him down and I I brought him over to my car and I put him in my car. And I just, I pointed to a couple different restaurants. Uh, There was a Jack in the Box nearby, some taco place. And this guy pointed at the taco place. So I drove him across the street to the taco place jumped out of the car. We go in, and the guy goes and orders his food. And within me, I'm thinking, please, Lord, let this taco place have a dollar menu and let this guy be a fan of the dollar menu, (laughs) you know? I mean, $20 till Friday diet. I'm thinking I'd like to go home with 15 bucks still, right? Well, the guy places his order. He orders, I don't know, a number one, a number two, and a number three, something like that. He ordered plenty of food. It came out to, I don't know, $12 or something like that. And the guy goes to hand me the change back. And I just knew within me that I needed to give the food or the money to that guy. So I ended up giving that beggar my last $20. And I knew within me that, look, I only had at most four days to go until I would have money again to be able to get another meal. But I didn't know when this guy's next meal was going to come. Growing up, I had done a lot of fasting with the Lord. So the idea of going three or four days without food, is it's not even the longest I've ever been without food before. So for me, just something within my heart said, hey, I need to give this guy the money. And I handed him the rest of the change. And I turned around and I left. He got to sit down. He ate his tacos or whatever he ordered, his number one, two, and three. And I left. I went home. I went home, that was about lunchtime. And just on the way home, I remember praying and saying, Lord, you're gonna to have to take care of me because I don't have any, any money left. If you would like me to go four days without food, praise the Lord, I'll just praise you for four days. But I said, Lord, if you would like to feed me, I sure would love to have food for the next few days. And I will say to me, this story was a moment where I gave it all away. I knew within me, I had nothing left to give. I had very little possessions in my life at this moment. I had a bed you know, and a handful of things, but not a whole lot. But I took and I gave away the last of my money to, to potentially my own detriment of not even being able to eat for days. And within me, it was just an absolute surrender of trust in God and not in the dollar bills. Dollars were no longer my provider. Jesus was. Well, I got home that night and at that point in time, I had a girlfriend out there in San Diego who came to visit me and she actually ended up ordering some pizza for us. She paid for it. I didn't tell her what I had done. I told nobody what I had done, but I don't remember going hungry at all for those days because people would say, hey, Eric, can I take you out to lunch? My treat. I'm like, sure, I'll take that. I'm perfectly okay with that, especially because I ain't got no money, but they didn't know that because I didn't tell anyone. Even that beggar that I gave my last $20 to didn't know it was my last $20. The Lord was the only one that had that understanding, and that was between me and Him. This next story I want to share was also in San Diego, and I call this one a food for less angel. I think this is one of the handful of times in life that I have encountered an angel, and I don't know for an absolute fact I may never know until I get to heaven, but I'm pretty sure it was. But let me share the story with you. So me and one of my buddies are living in that missionary housing and we're going to the grocery store this day. Food for Less is our local grocery store. We've each got these little scooters. I think he had a little like Honda, I forget what they're called, but it was like a little you know, 25, 50 cc scooter. I had a little 150cc scooter and we had both bought these scooters because we were poor. And you can get 70 to 100 miles per gallon on the scooter. And in San Diego, you could get almost everywhere on a scooter. So we each have a $20 bill this day. So $40 grand total, 20 for me and 20 for him. That's all the money we've got to go grocery shopping. We leave the missionary housing and we go to turn the corner and so the church is actually right behind where the missionary housing was and then the church also owned there was like this little side garage that they had owned and they used uh, that was right behind the church as well so anyways we go and we make a a right turn out of our street and the old man of the church is there there's an old man a guy named john and john flags us down just come on over here john had a truckload full of chairs. And he says, hey, will y'all help me unload these chairs? He says, if you'll help me unload these, I'll give you $5 each. And I'm thinking, yeah, hey, there's a bump from 20 to $25 for groceries. That's awesome. So me and my buddy both hop off our scooters and we help John unload all these chairs. We put them in the, the church garage area. And then John pulls two $20 bills out of his wallet and he hands us each a 20 Remember, we had only agreed to work for $5 each. But John was known to be, I guess, like the rich old man of the church. He was, he was a generous guy. So he blessed us. And I went from having $20 to $40 for groceries, likewise for my buddy. So we hop back on our scooter, and we our scooters, we each had our own scooter, and we carry on to Food for Less. When we get there, we park and we start walking in And to the left of the entrance is what I think may have been an angel. But I'm going to tell you, they looked absolutely – aesthetically, they looked like they had – they looked hideous. They looked like a a witch from a Broadway play or something or a Hollywood movie. I mean, it it was – they literally – they had aesthetics like I had never seen on a real-life human being. That's the only way I can describe it. They had this big – I don't know, blanket poncho thing covering that they were covering up in. They were standing up and there was a pile of stuff all over the floor, all over the floor. I mean, they had junk. They had, they had basically kind of junked out the entrance into this food for less on one side, But it was a lot of stuff scattered on the floor from what I remember. And when me and my buddy are walking in, they stop us. They particularly stop me and my buddy and say, hey, I have a request for you. And I stopped and I looked, and I said, what, what do you got? And, and I say they, because I don't know if that was a man or a woman. I cannot tell you that they, it was weird. They almost looked genderless. It was weird. But they looked at me and said, hey, I would like you to get me one of those pre-cooked chickens if you can. I'm really hungry. And if you would get me a pre-cooked chicken and if you can't afford it, could you just get me a few cans of chili? And I said, we've got you. We will take care of you, stay you know, stay here, whatever. We'll get you the food. We go inside and we do our grocery shopping. And I'm thinking like, how, how long can it take to grocery shop when you got $40, you know? Oh, but, but I wanna tell you first, whenever we walked in, my buddy looks at me and he's like, man, you know the cans of chili would be cheaper. And I said, yeah, but Jesus said, go the extra mile. We're gonna get the chicken and the chili. And I said, I'm willing to pick up the more expensive one or both of them, whatever we need. So we went, we did our grocery shopping, we got the chicken, we got the chili. We go back outside and there's nobody there. They're completely gone. This person is gone. The blanket's gone. All the pile of stuff all over the floor was gone. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, how did that pile of stuff disappear? There's no way that pile of stuff and that person could have disappeared so quick. So I'm beginning to question within myself, where is this person? Now, my heart is somewhat breaking here because in my mind, there's a really poor, hungry person here who needs some food and I've got the food for them. I get on my scooter. I'm wrestling with this in my heart. I'm driving around the back alley behind the store. I'm looking through the parking lot. I'm looking everywhere and I am trying to figure out where did this homeless person go? They just disappeared. I go home that night, me and my buddy, we drive back home. We unload our groceries. I put that pre-cooked chicken in the fridge and I am wrestling with the Lord because at this point, honestly, I feel like a failure. Mind you, I was in the military, and so I am very mission-complete oriented. Well, my mission's not complete. I'm holding the food for the person, but I don't know where the person is. I don't know how to find this person, and I don't know how in the world they disappeared. What felt like to me like it might have been quickly. Like, why would they have left? I hadn't got them their food yet. So I'm wrestling with this internally all night long. And the Lord is reassuring me that I did what I was supposed to do. They asked me, but I can't control the fact that they weren't there at the time I was supposed to give to them. That was outside of my control. I was simply obedient to what had been asked of me. And I think I might have even taken my scooter back that night and looked around one more time just to see if I could find this homeless looking person. I will say at the time I encountered them, I wasn't thinking angel. You know, I was like 19 or 20 years old at the time. That was just not really within my paradigm. But after wrestling internally all night with the fact that I felt like a failure because I hadn't fed the person, I finally surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, I did what was asked of me. I can't control the other side of it. So I'm just going to accept within me that part of stewardship is listening and obeying your voice, but that I don't have control over other people and their ability to be there or to receive. So I fall asleep that night. And the next morning at like 7 a.m., which was way too early for me, I didn't like to wake up that early. After being in the military, I was done waking up early. But 7 a.m., there comes a knock on the door. And it was the other assistant that worked at the church. Well, this particular day, the guy had decided to become a vegetarian. And he emptied out his fridge and freezer of all kinds of food that he was no longer going to eat. And he filled our freezer and our fridge up with lots of food. Just the night before I had encountered what I thought was a homeless person, I had made an act of generosity and wrestled with the fact that I had been unable to complete my mission, but that I had still been obedient to God. And the very next morning, I am woken up with far more than $40 worth of groceries stocked in my fridge. I realized that I could give and give and give and not go without because I was following the voice of the Lord. I was following generosity, not a compulsive rule about giving, but rather where God was guiding me to. I'm going to stop this episode, and I'm going to continue on more miraculous provision stories in the next episode. Blessings.